Let's get into some word today. What do you say? If you have a Bible or a Bible application, then uh, I'll have you turn, even though we won't get to it for a little bit, uh, to John chapter 15. John 15. And I've been teaching a series, as many of you are aware, if you're not aware, welcome to the club. I've uh, uh, been teaching a series called uh, How to Walk with God. That's a real thing. Walking with God is something not everybody experiences, but everybody can. It's The potential is there. And uh, our, our, our basis for this has been two passages that you don't need to turn to, but the first one is, is Genesis chapter 5, where we read about Enoch. And it reads here, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So it's possible for a human being to walk with God and become so close to him that you disappear. Yeah, Enoch experienced this. Now, I had never thought about this until last service while reading this live in the service. I wondered about Mrs. Enoch. <laughs> and I thought, where, where, what was Mrs. Enoch doing? And uh, didn't, wasn't she walking with God too? Now, it doesn't say, I can't say one way or another, but it does say Enoch was not. It doesn't say Mrs. Enoch was not. Apparently, Enoch left and she stayed. She missed the rapture. <laughs> Apparently, it would seem, possibly Enoch's wife didn't have the same level of walk with God that her husband had. And uh, I want to encourage everybody uh, here who's married, don't let your spouse outdo you. You don't have a designated prayer in the house a designated Bible reader, a designated worshiper, a designated spiritual person, and one's carnal and the other's not. Now, don't water yours down to match the, the lack thereof that may exist, but every person, step it up. Come on, it's a personal thing. Not, well, well, she does all the praying, or he, he, he makes sure everything's handled spiritually around here. No, 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 this is personal. This is individual. No one else covers for you. Right? We have one mediator between God and man, that is the man Christ Jesus. All right? No other, you don't have uh, priests and that kind of thing that go in for us in the new covenant. You have to go in yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, you're not as excited about that as I thought you would be. <laughs> Hebrews 11 is the other one. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because he had, because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So uh, we know that the only way to please God is by, by faith. That's what the next verse says. All right. So Enoch walked with God by faith. You cannot walk with God by faith unless you know what God's will is. You cannot know what God's will is unless he tells you. Right? And we don't know what he had as far as things written. 
Obviously, he didn't have the Bible that we have. Did he, he wrote some things. We know that because of the book of Jude records a, a verse or two that has his statements in it. So Enoch wrote some things. I don't know previously who wrote anything down. We don't have, don't have record of it. But somehow Enoch found the will of God. Yeah. Yeah. I say, how do you know he found the will of God? Because you can't have faith without knowing God's will. Yeah. See, one of the, one of the confusing uh, or misnomers, if you will, that exists today is people determine the will of God by what happens. And they're taught that faith in God means you accept everything that happens to you in your life as being God's will. And can I tell you, <laughs> that's the opposite of faith. That's called, in Scripture, that's called walking by sight. Meaning something happens and I say, why are you doing this, Lord? Walking by faith says, I'm going to check this out and see if that's really God working or if that's a person or a demon or whatever. I'm going to judge it by the Scripture. Because right? you can't have faith apart from knowing his will. We know his will first and foremost by his word. Enoch, to whatever he had written, we don't know. But he walked with God to such a degree that he heard God's voice. And God would speak to him. And he knew what God wanted. Otherwise, he couldn't do it by, by faith. Right? So we're never using circumstances to determine the will of God. We're using God's word, his revealed word to us to determine the, the will of God. And whatever happens circumstantially is going to be either accepted by us or opposed by us. All right. That other belief, it, it, it turns Christians into passive people that get run over by the devil and circumstances in life. Rather, we should be bold, assertive, aggressive, declaring the word of God and declaring the will of God and saying some things I'm just not going to permit in my home. I won't permit them in my body. I won't permit them in my family. Right? But because it is written in the scripture, this is what God said. So I'm not going to become passive accepting everything that comes my way. I'm going to walk with God. Right? Then his will is revealed and then we... Walk in accordance with it. Good, good? So we're only going to know this through, uh, through fellowship with him. And that's what I'm trying to encourage everybody. And I'm excited about this for my own life too. Walking with God, man, it's priceless. It absolutely is the best thing ever. And uh, Paul made those statements. We read them to you last week from Philippians 3. And uh, remember, he described his knowledge of Christ which we know was experiential knowledge of Christ, as being a priceless privilege, remember, uh, an overwhelming preciousness, a surpassing worth, and supreme advantage. So when, he, when someone who knows better <laughs> uses that kind of language and said, everything else I've experienced, all the successes I've had in this world, they're not even comparable to knowing him then we ought to perk our ears up and say, well, what did you know? What did you see? What did you experience that, that, that maybe I haven't or the average person hasn't? And because he had been there and experienced God, we should follow that pattern. Amen? And so uh, every good thing flows from him. And when we say that, usually we can quickly agree, yeah, good stuff comes from God. But watch, it, everything flows into, every good thing flows into my life because of my union with him, my connection with him. Just because God has it doesn't mean I'm going to get it. Just because he wants it doesn't mean it's going to happen. 
But if I maintain, if I establish and then maintain and then live with a, with a union, a constant connection to him that's not only theoretical, but practical, then his life will flow through me and flow to me in every area I need it. Okay? Need some wisdom? He's the wisdom man. <laughs> He's got it. And my union ensures that it's going to flow to me. If I need healing, he's the source. If I need uh, peace and joy and help and vision and I need, he's the source of these things. And so my connection with him is all I should focus on. Not trying to get him to give it. He's the giver of it. Not trying to convince God to do something good to me. He is a good God. My focus is just the establishment and the maintenance of a daily connection. It's true uh, positionally, we covered this, positionally it's true for all believers, practically it's not true for everyone because they're not making the most of it. Peter wrote this, 2 Peter chapter 1, 2, and 3. He said, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, sometimes we read all of those things quickly and we think grace and peace is the same as saying, hi. <laughs> It's just agreeing. So how's it going? Like we would, we would say, what's up? Or something like that. No, that's not what he's saying. Grace and peace are real things. There's a lot of people without peace in their lives. They have inward turmoil and fear and anxiety and conflict and no peace. Do you want more peace? Well, here's how it comes. Through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm just trying to get more peace. Stop. Walk with him. Walk with him. Maintain that interaction and fellowship connection. Peace will be multiplied in your life. Amen. You want grace? So grace is nice. So that's, so that's not just a, like a, a name of a lady. Grace. Grace is a real substantive thing in God. It's his favor. It's his, it's his divine ability. It's a mouthful. How do I get more of that? Through my knowledge of him. How am I going to know him? Through his word and by walking with him, by communing with him every single day, grace is multiplied. Why are things working for you and not for you? More grace is over here. Why are you so at rest and so at peace? I've been walking with the Lord. The knowledge of God is what multiplies that peace. Hallelujah. What I'm saying is a lot of times the things we're, we're seeking after are good. They're desirable. They're godly. They're from him. Sometimes we're going for it the wrong way. We're trying to get it by going after the thing instead of going after the person. Amen. Did you find John chapter 15? Because think, think about what your, your, your knowledge, uh, your expertise area is. Many of you have skills and knowledge and studies and you've mastered some field. And that knowledge is valuable. It's important. But it doesn't give you everything. I didn't even finish reading that scripture, did I? <laughs> Go back to it. As, so knowledge of God, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. <laughs> that sounds pretty all-inclusive, doesn't it? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So I get everything I want, everything I need, everything that pertains to my life and, and godliness through that knowledge. And again, that knowledge is walking with God. It is knowing Him by relationship. 
knowing him experientially, right? I get it all through that. So I think if anyone's like me, you have need of life <laughs> and everything that pertains to life and godliness. That's why this is the focus. Praise God. Okay, John 15, you find it? Verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so uh, we defined previously how abiding means to remain, to be consistently in that place. And when we abide in him, what happens is all aspects of our lives that are inconsistent with God's nature are dealt with. She said, because if you abide in me uh, and you're not producing like you ought to, what I'm going to do is prune you, all right? So how does he do that? By the words that he speaks to us. He said to the disciples, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So when I abide in the Lord, I'm connected to the trunk, abiding in the vine, what happens is I'm in, I'm in position to hear his voice. God will speak to me. He will speak to you and his word in you will clean you. It will remove things that shouldn't be there. It will take away anything that is inconsistent with his, his will, his plan, his ways. And, and this is something we, we should seek. Okay. Again, not me trying to get rid of all the bad things, but me focusing on him and this relationship so that his word can drive it out. His word can remove anything that's wrong. All right. It's like uh, in the Hebrews, in chapter 12, there was discussion about uh, discipline and about uh, uh, what's sometimes called chastening. And uh, an Old Testament verse is quoted there in Hebrews 12, 6, which reads, For whom the Lord loves... He chastens and scourges everyone, every son whom he receives. Now, without knowing the Lord, people then they attach that to circumstances. Something bad happened to me. It's the Lord correcting me. It's the Lord chastening me. Instead of keeping it attached to his word. He said, you're clean by the word I spoke to you. You read that passage. He said, fathers discipline us after the flesh. Natural fathers for our benefit. But the Father, He's called the Father of spirits there. In other words, God is not disciplining us after the flesh. He's not sending harm our way. He's speaking to us. Again, He disciplines us and by, by, by the words that He gives to us. Because it's His Word that drives out the wrong situations. You see how this connection with God, man, it solves so much. Because when it's intact... Anything wrong can be dealt with. But when I'm not talking to him, or I'm, I, you know what, watch. 
I could not be talking to the Lord even though I'm going through the motions of doing very religious things. Have you ever read a book and not read it? Have you ever read the Bible and not read it? Have you ever sang a worship song and didn't really commune with the Lord while you did it? But you sang the song. You participated, clapped with the beat. Right? So you can do these things and not have communion with God. That's what we want to avoid. When the connection is there, when the connection is strong, the words that we need to hear, we will hear. It, I'm telling you, communion with God can be, ought to be, and probably is happening with many people right now. Even though you're not speaking or praying per se in that way. You, you, you can tell right on the inside. Sometimes something will come out of my mouth, I'll speak, and you'll know that was a word from God. And it totally was. I just happened to be the, the voice he used at the moment. But you know spiritually it's from him. What is it doing? It is aligning your thoughts and ways and actions with his. You can see the very fact that God works this way, that he's not driving people away who have problems. He's not keeping people at bay. Let me just say it plain language. He's not keeping people at bay who have sin in their life. Well, I need to stop doing this because I've got these habits. I've got these things I've been looking at. I've got these problems I've been... And so I can't really be tight with the Lord or close to Him right now because I've got this sin in my life. And that, when I get that taken care of, I'm going to really walk with Him like you're talking about. Uh-uh. Uh-uh, that's the wrong approach. Because you'll find if you'll approach Him even with that bunk, gunk, and baloney in your life... If you'll approach him even while it's still there, he won't be there with a fist. Come on. That's good. He'll be there with open arms, even with that stuff in your life. I'm not saying it's okay. God's not saying it's okay, but he is saying he will, he will embrace you. That connection brings his word, makes, makes his ways a reality. That's what drives out the wrong thing. It's a, it's a lie of the enemy that says, you can't do that yet. You can't serve yet. You can't be a part of what I'm doing. You can't draw near to me. You can't be like Enoch in any way, let alone like Jesus in his walk with the Father, because you've got issues. Come on. And it's the person that doesn't accept that, that draws near to the Lord anyway. Yeah. Come on. Good. And his word in them drives it out. I've noticed this. Over, over, over many years um, in doing the Bible college, but I've noticed it recently, why it comes to mind, that when we have the Bible college and, and lots of students go through that and they're getting, hour, getting many hours every week of word, 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 that many of them change without without uh, some kind of deliverance per se, without some kind of extra special prayer, uh, without some kind of experience, just the Word gets in them. Word gets in them. Word gets in them. They don't even know what's happening. Some, they, they may no, notice eventually, but I sometimes notice by observation that I'm looking at some of our second-year Bible college students and saying, dude, like a year ago, you were weird. You were spiritually awkward. You were kind of just, you know, 
you would talk and you would say things that were crazy. And now look at you. You're stable. You're settled. You're, you're a much better person. You're just, what's going on here? What happened was the word got in them and it drove out the things that were inconsistent with God's nature. And it's a process that continues. All right. I'm not saying any of us have arrived, but it's so real. People think, I just need someone to pray for me. And maybe you do, and maybe that'll get you over the hump or, or get you through a current struggle or, bat, or, or you know, trial or something like that. But the long-term plan is walking with God. It's hearing His voice. It's getting His Word into you to such a degree that anything that's inconsistent with Him has no place in you anymore. Amen. Which makes you wonder, okay, then you think this way, if ungodly conditions uh, persist in our lives, you would have to wonder if we are really abiding in Him as we ought to. I know that's kind of a strong statement, but sometimes we deceive ourselves. We say, oh yeah, my relationship with the Lord is tight. We're just, oh, I'm just, I just love the Lord. Listen, if ungodliness persists year after year after year, yet your walk with God is so amazing, I'm thinking, I don't know if it is like you think it is. It's like inconceivable. (laughs) You know, I don't think that word means what you think it means. I don't think a walk with God to you is what it was to Jesus or what it was to Enoch. Because I believe when, when that exists, over time, it's going to produce these results. Continuing now, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do what? Nothing. That's kind of a strong statement. Listen to this in the verse 5 in the Passion Translation. I am the sprouting vine, and, 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 and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. So this is what we're, what we're seeking. It's the daily living, the daily abiding. When it exists, what do we have? We have power from God. We have, uh, we have all this fruitfulness that comes out of us naturally. It streams through us because of who we're connected to. That's what we want. That's what, that's what we seek. Say, well, what do you mean you can do nothing? Well, nothing is contextual. It doesn't mean I can't get up. That's not what he's talking about, or eat, or sleep. or it, Contextually, it's talking about making yourself useful. You're, you're a fruit producer. You're not that branch that needs to be broken off and thrown into the fire. You're producing the fruit of the one who called you the one whom you are abiding in. Verse 6 says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Okay? Did you notice the, the, the two-fold component here? of what causes us to produce prayer fruit. By the way, that's one of the fruits. He's talking about, you look at the context, the fruit is I pray for things and I get what I ask for. 
Not just some things. I get everything I ask for. Not just what God desires, what I desire. That's what he said. I don't want to water this down. Okay. He said, if you do these two things, whatever you ask, you'll get. Straight up, take it like it's written. Two things. He said, if you abide in me, so it's us in him. And then number, and that again, abide. What does that mean? Remain, live. We're monitoring the connection. We're not talking about losing our salvation here. We're talking about a daily walk with God. I'm, a, I'm monitoring my daily interaction. I wake up, hi, Lord. I'm brushing my teeth, hey. <laughs> Driving down the road, nice sunrise. Whatever, I, 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 that might sound silly, but it's constant communion with it. It's, I'm with him, I'm talking with him. I may not be in a heavy-duty prayer meeting all, all day, you know, who, who has time for that? But I can be in communion with him always. All right. He's always with me. I'm, I'm conscious of the relationship. I abide in him and his words abide in me. And so this is simple, but walking with God includes reading the Bible. If ever we find ourselves saying, I'm just experiencing God, I'm having all these glorious experiences, and you've stopped reading the Bible, it's a setup for deception. Because you may have experiences that go outside of the bounds of, of God's Word, and you don't recognize the difference any longer. So we abide in Him, and His words abide in us. This is not just mentally reading a book like you would read a novel. It is relationally reading a book as if it's God talking to us. You think that makes a difference? It really does. I read this and I see this as God talking to me. Read it that way. Someone says, I don't understand the, the, the scripture. Well, first, don't ever say that. Come on. <laughs> read it by faith. Lord, I'm about to read your word and I understand it all. Amen. And it's you talking to me. Amen. Amen. There was a, uh, there was a, a preacher in uh, Texas years ago. Uh, you may have heard of him, John Osteen. And he used to, of course, his son pastors there now. Uh, but he made, kind of made famous. A lot of people have copied him in doing this. Uh, I think he was the originator of it. But he would start his preaching time by saying, everybody get out your Bible. And he would do this before Bibles were on phones and everything too. And everybody lift up your Bible in the air. And, and, and he would have everyone say, you know, uh, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. And then he would say something to the effect of, today I will be taught the word of God, and, and uh, it's the incorruptible, indestructible, you know, never changing uh, word of God. And, uh, and then there are some other things. I don't remember the rest right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he would end with, and I'll never be the same again. Amen. But that's a good practice, right? Should we try it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, grab your Bible or whatever you have as if you use your phone. So we got to get, get out of this religiously reading this book. Yes. Say it out loud. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. This word is God speaking to me. And I receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever living seed of God's word and I'll be changed from glory to glory and faith to faith 
and I'll never be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. Be the same again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. What's, what's that? That's called reading the Bible by faith now. Reading the Bible believing that it's God talking to you. Not reading it like a novel. It's, in, it's, it's interaction. It's dialogue. He's a person. These words are God-breathed. They'll heal your body. They'll set your mind right. They'll remove darkness and, and, and lack of direction from your life. It, it, there's answers here. Amen. Jesus said his word must abide in us. I looked up, I think yesterday, uh, how many times the phrase, it is written, is in the New King James Version. It is written. And it was 78 times. So Jesus said it. Other apostles said it. Even Old Testament writers said it. And they were the ones that wrote the written. <laughs> but they would repeat what God said and said, it is written. This is how you decide what to do in life. It is written. It is written. It is written. And if we, can, if we can, can conclude and determine that whatever is written, whatever God has said becomes priority to us and direction to us, then uh, he's going to be more real to us. Have you ever heard the phrase breaking the mold? Breaking the mold? Uh, uh, in, in, in looking at Enoch, I thought that's a guy who broke the mold. Okay, breaking the mold means doing completely different things from what has been done before or from what is usually done. Now, I'm thinking about Enoch, and I'm using my imagination to some degree as we read. There's not many verses on him. But obviously, not everybody was walking with God, or it wouldn't state that Enoch did. He wouldn't have been special. He wouldn't have stood out. Everyone's doing it. But the truth is, no one else or hardly anyone else was doing what he was doing. And so for him to start walking with God in the midst of a generation that wasn't walking with God, he had to break, break the mold. The average Joe was living life a certain way. Was Their relationship with God was formed by lack of knowledge or lack of experience. But Enoch got out of that. How did he do it? And if I can figure out how he did it, maybe I can do it too. Even though, you know, I'm not the only one here that wants this. Neither are you. So we're not that much of an outlier, but still religion has shaped the way people walk with God to such a strong degree that it becomes watered down. You know, what I like to say is when people put too much water in the orange juice concentrate, you know, like at a hotel or something where they're giving it to you for free for breakfast. And they free orange juice. Yes. Oh, that's not orange juice. That's orange flavored water. Right. I don't want God flavored water either. I want the concentrate stuff. All right. And, and so, so how did he do it? How did he break into a reality that few people are walking in? How do we get back to God's original form? Think about these three things. I'll say this as we finish up today. Number one, first, number one, first of all, it, it starts with seeking. Seeking what potentially can exist. 
Remember, you know, of course, the promise Jesus said, seek and you will find. Not find if you don't seek. Not, I don't understand why God doesn't show himself to me. Oh, well, I'll just keep going on with my life. I don't understand why some people believe in God and I don't even know if he's real. Oh, well. Yeah, we're going to exalt your knowledge of someone who doesn't seek after God above someone who does? I mean, I can't take your word for anything if you don't seek God. Seeking after seeking produces findings. Say, I want this. I, want, I can hardly imagine what this might be, but I'm stirred. I want this kind of walk with God. Then go for it. Look for it. Seek after it. That's the beginning point. God rewards those who diligently do what? Seek, Seek Him. Okay? And then secondly is meditation on the testimonies of others. Now, what experiences did Enoch have prior to walking with God? I don't know. It doesn't say, but probably not much. He had to have, again, this is my judgment. You can accept this or not. He had to have heard something about those who walked before him. Maybe going all the way back to Adam. Stories told of God walking with people. And he contemplated it, meditated on it. And it became real to him. To where he said, oh, I can have that too. If God did that with, them, with that person, he can do it with me. I think this bears true in our lives. Even if you personally don't have many experiences with God, but you hear stories of other people. Now, I always have to judge people's story by the word. I'm not accepting everything that anyone tells me. But if the Lord speaks to you, he reveals, he shows himself strong in your life. You have an experience in God. My ears perk up. I, my, my first reaction is not critical. You're probably wrong. My first reaction is looking for the Lord. Yes. Amen. 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 You remember when John wrote in the book of 1 John, test the spirits to see if they are of God. Watch, he didn't say test the spirits to see if they're of the devil. In other words, the first motive was not to look for what's wrong, but to look for what's right. Yeah, we're not gullible to accept everything wrong, but I'm looking for God, I'm not looking for the devil. All right, I, I've heard many people have experiences in God. I'm listening because I think what he does for you, he's no respecter of persons, he'll do for me. I'm looking for uh, how did you get that to happen? What did you say? How did you pray? How, what made this work? What scriptures did you use? Because if it'll work in your life, I'm saying, come on now, I'm going to take this and use it for myself. I think Enoch probably did that. He heard the stories and he rehearsed their testimonies until it became so real to him that he began to walk with God too. And then lastly, number three is acknowledgement. Acknowledgement of spiritual reality. There are things that exist independent of me. I can't make them happen. I can't make them go away. God is. The realm of the Spirit is. His love is. My union with Christ is. Since, since I got saved, what we studied before, I'm made one with Him. That just is. What's my part in this? I should acknowledge that it's true. Independent of any new revelation or new experience, I say, Lord, I thank you that this is. This is where we use phrases. Get your own, but you can borrow mine. I, I say at times things like, Lord, Lord, I am of you. We're the same. 
I'm made of you. You made me of yourself. I naturally relate to you. I connect with you. I'm made of your substance. I speak your language. I speak God. We're tuned into the same frequency. I know your voice. I know your ways. We are one together. And I meditate on that reality, not meditating on my faults. Not rehearsing things that I've erred in or my imperfection. No, I'm going to focus on reality of who I am in Christ and what God has made me to be. Amen. Amen. Never saying things like, I don't understand your word, or you seem distant from me. No, he has no confirm, uh, confirming ability if I talk like that. Amen. I have to say I'm one with you. I've been made like you. We've been united together. You are my God, my Father. I am your very own child. Amen. Your word is you speaking to me. I acknowledge these things. He has something to work with. And the reality of God, the reality of what already is outside of my control becomes real to me. And now I've entered a journey. I've entered a relationship, a walk with God where I'm abiding in him. I am plugged into the vine. Amen. Amen. And the reality, the, uh, the realness of who God is starts to be my experience more and more. Amen. That is the source, you guys, of getting rid of the, getting rid of the gunk, the bunk, and baloney <laughs> out, of our, out of ourselves, as opposed to just striving to stop doing something. Let's displace it with this divine connection, our knowledge of Him. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're hungry for it, that's a good thing. Hungry on the inside, desirous of Him. It's a good thing. And He'll fill that desire. Praise God.